Hello and welcome back to the Dress Fancy podcast, the only podcast about fashion, fantasy and fancy dress. I'm costume fanatic Lucy Clayton and I'm here with cultural historian Dr Benjamin Wilde to explore a few of our favourite things. And it's our birthday. Happy birthday <laughs> to us. Don't sing, Ben. Sorry. For the rest of the season. <laughs> oh, come on. I heard you in your Elton John last time. I still have not forgotten that. <laughs> He's scarred by the experience yeah, no, of my singing. Um, to be fair, though, that wasn't actually recorded. So we were fair to the listeners. It's true, though. but I can do you a tape don't, anytime. Don't. <laughs> the odd voice message. We've talked about merchandising, but there are limits. You don't want a tape no. of my... Okay. No. A medley. So it's our first birthday, Ben. And this is a special one-off episode where we celebrate with a rundown of some of our highlights of the last year and what a year it's been. It's fair to say, and I was thinking about this as we were preparing mm. today's recording, and I think when I first had the idea for this project, it was definitely an experiment. I don't think I felt solidly that it was going <laughs> to be a runaway success. Mm -hmm. And in fact, when I first started talking about it, I referred to it only as a vanity project, which in retrospect... I do remember that, yes. <laughs> partly because I've always wanted a vanity project. Haven't we all? <laughs> but also because that felt like a sort of buffer that then if it was a disaster, yeah. I wouldn't feel that... A you know, safety net. Exactly. Sort of thing, yeah. So I think I was just sort of apologetic <laughs> way of... And so it's fair to say that I have been a little bit surprised. I wanted, I guess the impetus was to find a way to talk about a thing that I love mm. and it's rolling culture that was playful but also clever because the problem with being a grown-up who likes fancy dress is that it's very easy to dismiss that interest as silly or frivolous but what we've learned I think in this last year of talking about it in this format is that the private history of costume of ordinary people in extraordinary outfits is actually an incredibly refined and revealing lens mm. through which to view the world. Mm -hmm. And obviously here we're interested in the psychology and social history of dressing up. And that interest has taken us all over the world. Yep. And across time, mm -hmm. we've discussed fashion history and identity politics, subcultures and global trends, individual sequins, <laughs> <laughs> painstaking transformations, uh -huh. and all in only 34 episodes. And Gosh, I think yeah. it's time to say, is it arrogant to use the word triumph here, Ben? I, I really don't think it is. <laughs> I, I think on a, You have to say that. <laughs> well, no, I'm slightly, slightly biased. But I, I think one thing that is definitely triumphant is that I've managed to endure you for 34 <laughs> episodes. <laughs> Wow. And then we've kind of stayed, and we're still laughing. We're still um, laughing. I was going to say how nice it is to see you again after the summer <laughs> off, but I'm going to hold on to that. Thought. It's because I started singing, wasn't it? That, that <laughs> sort of set the tone. But I think also what for me is actually genuinely quite remarkable and triumphant is that in a lot of episodes, we've spoken about how this is a niche topic. Mm. And I think there are probably moments, but it would be fair to say we've both thought, even if there's the will and determination on both our parts, because we love fancy dress, is there actually the longevity? Is there content that is worth kind of churning out week after week yeah. and I think yes you know is, is that sort of overview that you just provided there is that and I think so much more and I think that's what surprised me just how genuinely rich and as you said revealing the topic of fancy dress can be and it is almost that sounds cliche but that idea of the exception proving the rule right and I think you know the exceptional nature of fancy dress 
does reveal so much, I think. And if you think about our master list of potential episodes, mm. which obviously is growing all yeah. the time, the things we could be talking mm. about grows at a pace that is faster than yeah. how we can record them. Yeah. So the point being, we're going nowhere. Settle in, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, let's not forget, we've also had some extraordinary collaborations and partnerships, obviously with the Royal Academy. Yeah. And those sensational events, particularly the sort of summer bonanza with which we closed the last season. We've been to the British Museum and seen their extraordinary manga exhibition. And again, that is not all. So buckle up because we do have a special announcement at the end of this episode. Very exciting. Mm. So stay tuned. One of the things that we've enjoyed most is having these remarkable intimate conversations with people mm. who we otherwise wouldn't have met and so yes, yeah. what we're going to do is talk about our highlights from the last year we're going to start with some of yours ben apart from spending quality time with me every <laughs> obviously. week obviously which has been a just lovely a joy thing. an unbridled joy um <laughs> what have you loved it might sound quite corny but i actually think for me this first episode, partly because it was the first episode, it's where we're kicking everything off. And I remember we did have a discussion about what that first episode should be in terms of topic. And I think we chose, as obviously, dear listeners, you'll all remember, an episode on Fancy Dresses protest. Rachel Fallon, in concert with the artistic community in Limerick, produced these beautiful but also incredibly powerful power aprons and essentially what these consist of when worn are aprons in a conventional sense that we would all recognize in terms of the basic silhouette and how they're worn but when lifted up and so concealing the wearer's upper body the underside of the apron essentially becomes a banner and projects a message that I think exactly ties in Lucy with what you were saying that is dignified, that is hopeful, but is also very, very clear about what the intent is. In this case, as we've said, the repeal of the Eighth Amendment. Obviously, a huge amount of anger behind mm. this campaign and, and understandably so. But what's interesting here is that you know, the words that she uses, and you can see this picture on our Instagram page so that you can see in detail what we're talking about. She uses words like grace and trust and under the law freedom. And for me, there's something really interesting about something that has a very kind of emotive and uh, you know angry mm. response being rendered in a way that actually is, in fact, very graceful. And I don't mean graceful in, in a sort of namby-pamby elegant way. I mean, it, it's there's a sort of cool, righteous superiority to the way she is choosing to portray this message. And mm. for me, that's very dignified in that proud feminist tradition of, you know, purple for dignity. It feels very much like that. It's rendered in a very, very... Mm calm way exactly. it's it, almost it, sinister in its calm yeah, it, it's, it's, you know I think you're right it's channeled in a really sort of disciplined way yes. and I think you appreciate that from this sense of if you like the domesticity the needlework the skill that's gone into selecting the appropriate materials the skill that's gone into the layout the um, arrangement of the letters all of which are sewn on individually by hand and she makes them herself doesn't she it's important as a artist that she... She does make them herself. When we were talking with her, sort of made this point that she sort of set up a little sort of production line. So she would first of all think about the eyes, for example, which feature on all of the garments and deal with the sort of details on those. Then she would sort of come and look at the lettering. So six in all created and worn with quite simple 
black clothing to really make them stand out. And they really did. When the Limerick procession took place, as we said, in April, the scenes, I think, of these women wearing these costumes, as there are only six of them, that were really quite striking in the context mm. of the sort of urban environment. They were crossing sort of bridges and cars and things were driving by on the other side of the road. But really quite striking to see these ladies with others protesting as well, men and women, alongside them. I liked it when she said, I've worn the aprons at particular events and I enjoy both the idea that no one knows what's on the underside and the reveal where one as a person is completely hidden and only the message remains. I think the idea there that the person wearing the costume becomes invisible and therefore secondary to the message is a thing that's really powerful when you think about a lot of campaigns or a lot of activism generally. The idea that we would that ourselves are less important than the whole or the many. And for me, that feels like a really great example of that, where she is rendering people literally invisible and the message takes up the entire space. That feels like a hierarchy that is quite important in activism generally in a more broader political sense. For me, the episode does encapsulate a lot of the ideas that we've done unpicked in later episodes. But I think also that idea of the specific having a kind of wider relevance, and particularly within the episode, we were talking to artist Rachel Fallon and her power aprons. And I think, obviously, Rachel was the very first person that we interviewed uh, way back when. But I think the ideas that she's sort of conjuring with in her clothing have only, I think, become more relevant as we've continued this podcast, not least, of course, because of your very own TED Talk that I think at the time of recording has had almost sort of 60,000 listens. By now, it's almost sort of, you know, (laughs) gone even more meteoric and we're in the hundreds of thousands. But I think, you know, it, it demonstrates, as you said at the outset, beyond what we could have imagined, how the power of fancy dress is something that might be dismissed, but we dismiss it as a global culture at our peril. I totally agree. And I think there's a pleasing elegance to the fact that our very first episode, that I guess that's sort of the kernel of the idea mm. itself, then also became the sort of biggest thing we've yeah. done on that, yeah. on that terrifying TED platform. And for me, being in the room and knowing that it would be firstly there forever, which is a little <laughs> bit frightening, but also being able to feel... In the strange circus that is that yeah. format, you very much feel whether the audience are with you yes, or not yeah. with you. And I think on a subject, as you say, as niche as ours, there was always the risk yeah. that I would stand up on that stage mm. and it was a terrible disaster <laughs> yeah. because everyone would think, why are we listening to this mm. woman talk about dressing up? Yeah. And yet I knew as soon as, almost mm. as soon as I started that they were fully on board with this yeah. narrative. And again, I think to your point, that's not about how it's delivered or how it's written it's actually to do with its cultural relevance yeah, exactly and that. the fact that that has grown exponentially our collective need to want to express mm. our sense of outrage and to protest in a way that is visible mm. if not audible mm. i think is something that we've only seen yeah snowball yeah. across the yeah. year the just mm. the 12 months that we and, and i think this. also as you're talking i mean in that very first episode we did speak about the Handmaid's Tale, and how those costumes, as described in the book, are, to use a horrible word, but iconic, 
how they have been used subsequently as a form of fancy dress, but also as protest. And of course, as we're talking now, Margaret Atwood's new book has just been Mm -hmm. released. And again, the cover artwork is using the dress. And again, I think just resonates and and just builds on, on what you've said there. It was so nice seeing that book launch with such fanfare. And I think the team around it are brilliant. It's so great to see a book behave like a massive blockbuster yeah. that you're used to seeing yeah. in a kind of Hollywood terms. Mm. And again, the visual language of it is so powerful. Almost the sort of Margaret Atwood visual branding mm. is so strong. I walked into <laughs> into Penguin, who's also my publisher, much less fanfare with the publisher. <laughs> Surely not. <laughs> um, I think it would take me a few decades and... <laughs> Many, many, a few more seasons. A whole of dress new fancy. brain to become in any way uh, as important a publishing event as anything that Margaret. Is this Atwood... going to be the change in the season that now it's going to be me providing sort of comfort and solace? Yes, please, could you? Oh, hugely nervous about the publication of that book, but we've got you know till February for me okay. to settle into the idea. But yeah, walking in and seeing the cakes with the I, yeah, I, yeah. silhouette of the all all done in green, obviously for the testaments as mm. opposed to red for. The Handmaid's Tale and it just is so powerful mm. and I just felt it was a really joyful thing and it, again it feels so of the moment yeah. that that's something that and you know she was doing all of these live talks and everyone just came away it was as if they just heard a preacher she's that yes, kind of yeah. that powerful it's amazing mm. to see that yeah so that's a sort of segue anyway what was your next one Ben? I think sort of moving on to a slightly different feel of episode, but also a different focus. This was episode 15, where we were looking at the Weldon's fancy dress catalogue. I think the other thing also to note is that in terms of the ratio, and I'm sorry to disappoint, but I haven't counted this one, there are more, or at least it seems to be, many more costumes for women than men. And the male costumes, generally speaking, are a little bit lacklustre. They're less interesting. They're definitely yeah. creatively less exuberant I than so. the female ones, yeah, aren't they? I think so. Now, it is very much of its time as a mm. document. It's, for the most part, charming yeah. and evocative. And in fashion terms, I think what's really interesting, and this is emphasised by the fact that we're looking here not at actual costumes, but at line drawings, yeah. but it's very much... There's a lot of drop waist. There's a sort of the shapes themselves, the silhouettes Mm. are incredibly of that period. Yes, they are. And for me, that's one of the reasons why I think they're so lovely to look at because you couldn't get further really from Mm. the sort of options available on fancydress.com. I think that's true. Obviously, now when you're being encouraged to buy or hire, it's a look on Instagram. It's a cheesy yeah. grin. It's a photograph. You can see all that see terrible your... millennial influencer oh, that we talked about in Halloween. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's the opposite, actually, yes. of what we're looking at yes. here. <laughs> there, there, there is there is a sophistication. There's an artistry that that's yeah. gone into this. Having said that. There's also a lot of costumes here that really do show the time. So, for example, you have national costume, which inevitably involves things like Red Indian, Norwegian peasant, which I think are coming quite close to the bone in terms of politically and socially acceptable. I mean, one costume is simply called nigger minstrel. You have a gollywog, for example. I think what is also quite disturbing is that these are mistakes, as we would perceive them now, not all, unfortunately, would have done in the past, but mistakes that are still being made today, as we discussed with regards to Gucci and their blackface, turtleneck, sweater, whatever they are calling it to try and sort of justify that faux pas. 860 something dollars of wrong. Yeah, exactly that. (laughs) 
I liked this because it was focusing on a very specific object. Usually in an episode, we talk very yeah. widely about sort of themes. And I think it was nice to have that that kind of singular focus. But also because I think, it, again, talking to some of the points we've mentioned, demonstrated how fancy dress provides this sort of oculus, this means of viewing wider sort of cultural societal trends. And I think one of the points that we discussed, and I think it was quite interesting to be in that conversation, I obviously hope it was interesting to the listeners too, <laughs> is the fact that Weldon is very much of its time in terms of what now we would regard as racism, cultural appropriation, what was once acceptable has become taboo. And I suppose, in a sense, how that's become reversed as well, what may have been taboo we now accept, but how fancy dress is often a vehicle, a conduit, which conveys that in a way that other forms of clothing but also other forms of culture don't mm. so looking at the artwork there which in itself was beautiful it's a beautiful object again the wider ideas that we could extrapolate from that I thought was was just really interesting and I think one of the horrifying revelations I guess about our focus over this year is that it's possible for us to look at an object like that and recognize that it isn't an uncomplicated yeah. thing in terms of its relationship with politics and identity mm. and, as you say, ideas that are distinctly unpalatable. But what I've, guess, found really surprising and at times horrifying is there hasn't been a week where that hasn't yeah. reared its ugly head in other mm. very current examples. Yeah. These very old and distasteful ideas mm. that are you know, often just straightforwardly racist still exist either on on the runways of major fashion houses mm. or in lurking in the closet of a photograph album of our politicians. Exactly. And I find that by putting this focus on mm. costume, I've just been surprised at like how much material there is exactly. yeah. in the news all the time of ideas that should have been dead a long time ago. Yeah. No, I think that is true. It is sobering how culturally myopic we have been and still are mm. when with social media, et cetera, we've got even less reason for that to be the case. So um, moving on to a more cheerful. Yeah, more cheerful. This was one of our many excursions that we've been on. <laughs> this was to a picnic at Mottisfont with the Jane Austen Pineapple Appreciation Society. And I have to say, when you mentioned this and we were again talking about the sort of planning of it I'd never heard of the society before. I wasn't quite sure where you were taking me. Um, but it was a joyous day, partly because the sun was shining, although it did rain towards the end, but I'm glossing over that because this is a sort of reminiscing. It's a memory. So it it's nostalgic. Glorious. It was just glorious. We are with Amy. The first thing to say, obviously, is happy birthday. Thank you very much. So talk me through your gorgeous attire for our listeners who are, alas, not here today. Um, so the dress I'm wearing today is made using hand-printed Indian block print so what was the spur then for you getting involved with regency at the time i was going through a really difficult period in my life i was then very much so still am a bit now suffering from anxiety and depression and i'd been through a round of group cbt and was now doing one-to-one -one cbt um more for the depression side of yeah. things and my therapist was doing with me what they call behaviour experiments. Mm. So we were looking at sort of situations that I found sort of very anxiety inducing yeah. and what I thought would happen mm. and trying to reframe it in a more reasonable yeah. way. And then 
actually doing those things yeah. to see what the actual so was outcome it you was. And brought up the idea of going to a regency. Yeah, group so um so she was wanting me to maybe sort of break out my shell a little bit yeah. more socially, make some new friendship yeah. groups. And I sort of mentioned that, you know, really love like Jane Austen mm. and I'd heard about this dance group, would love to have a go, yeah. but I just thought I'd probably be terrible at it and that they'd laugh at me and just be nasty to me. And so we went through the whole behaviour experiment process of like, okay, what's the more realistic mm. thing? And right, go and do it. Yeah. So I went along to my first class with great trepidation. <laughs> um, and, and you went on your own? Yeah, or? yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, I'm very lucky in that the group meets literally, or at the time met literally at the end of my road. Okay, okay. Um, oh, so it was yeah. just a short walk up the road. So it was kind of like uh, easy escape if it all went, <laughs> went wrong. So yeah, I went along to my first class and I absolutely loved mm. it. it. Couldn't have asked to have met more wonderful people yeah. and it turned out I was actually quite good at Regency <laughs> dancing it was a lot more energetic than I expected when you you know watch Pride and Prejudice or something you think <laughs> oh it's all very lovely and elegant and beautiful it's quite a yeah. workout actually and because you're up on your toes all mm. the time so like it Oh my goodness, okay. Your calves wow. like <laughs> kill the next day, particularly when you've never done it before. Yeah. But I loved it. And the next time I saw my therapist and she was asking, you know, how had it mm. gone? Let's go through it. And she was like, this is the most animated I've mm. ever seen you in a session. It was a lovely painting, but the sense of camaraderie which I know sounds a kind of a bit, a bit wet and damp but amongst the people that were there members of the society was just truly unbridled joy and ecstasy which was just like but I think what was also lovely when we went our sort of guide if you like was Amy it was her birthday which made the day even more yeah. special but also when she was talking to us and opening up about how her participation in the society had helped overcome her struggles with anxiety and we've spoken, I think, at length about this idea of the transformative role of clothing, of costume specifically. We've used this concept of world building. But to actually interview, to speak, yeah. as we both did with Amy and for her to tell us that sense of intimacy and the transformational role of her clothing, I just think that was really powerful. And it was one of those moments where, not in a sort of self-satisfied way, but you actually thought that, you know, again, through this podcast, you know, we're kind of doing some good, if I can say yeah. that without sounding sort of self-righteous well, or something. she was so generous and articulate. Yeah, no, she was. On that subject. Or is, yeah, yeah. And, or, and is, which <laughs> she remains. <laughs> and I think that was what was so brilliant is mm. that we were really lucky to have that conversation. And I feel like the whole spirit of what they do mm. is something that's, as you say, uncomplicatedly joyful. Mm. But that doesn't mean that it's one-dimensional. No, I think that's all. what that conversation, yeah. and in fact, all of those conversations that day demonstrate that there is depth to these things. Mm. You cannot dismiss them as a merely surface no. pleasure. And I think that's something that we feel on an instinctive <laughs> level, but it's nice to have proven. Exactly so, exactly so. <laughs> By people other than us. <laughs> so hopefully prove that a bit more. If I've kind of given three episodes that appealed to me resonated with me what would you say is your top three I think for me my favorite moments are when I feel like we're testing the theory yeah I suppose so similar I suppose to your angle on it I guess testing that theory that people are 
interested, but also that there is a massive audience for mm. this. And I think for me, again, it's just sort of knowing that it's not just <laughs> Lucy and Ben being fascinated <laughs> by this thing, but in fact, that sense of playfulness mm. and sometimes obsessiveness around yeah. dressing up is shared by many, many millions. And that makes me feel like on quite a sort of sentimental level, like this is my tribe. <laughs> and I'm no longer forcing my friends to kind of come to parties at great expense <laughs> to dress up in things they don't really want to be wearing. That's kind of quite a major step for me just in my own development. So I'm very grateful for that. That sense of belonging though, yeah. which is really evident when we go out and meet people and we mm. interview people particularly on that picnic, but that sense of belonging, for example, at the Royal Academy. And yes. we, obviously we love working with them and the team are brilliant. But looking across the courtyard mm. of the RA on the perfect summer's evening, yes. with the people just going wild. <laughs> I felt like kind of fancy dress rock on stars. <laughs> the closest we'll ever feel to like stadium scale yes but you know they looked amazing they did they were having yeah. the time of their lives and i felt like we were the stewards yes. of that yeah. enthusiasm and yeah. basically that's a job i didn't know existed <laughs> and we've kind of created it and i'm delighted <laughs> to answer the question the pleasure gardens evening was definitely a highlight probably of my adult life but all, <laughs> but the episode that led up to that so the sort of style guide episode that we did mm. all about georgian pleasure gardens and how to dress for them at the national theater costume hire for me to be allowed to rummage around in that space and to handle I'm, those yeah costumes, i'm still very envious that i wasn't able to i know to it's that. quite yeah. good that you weren't there because i got to just do it without any interruption ben <laughs> any wanging on oh my gosh that's amazing what's this that was from Royal Hunt of the Sun. Wowza. Beautiful feathered cloak. It's so... F God, it's huge. It looks like it's on fire. Yeah. It's amazing. It was like the king of the Aztecs wore it, didn't he? It was beautiful, that. It's stunning. I mean, it's virtually the same height as the room, isn't it? Yeah, and this is one we were saying. We, we'd send that for photo shoots, but of we wouldn't course, necessarily hire it to hire a party because no. it's just not it's just too practical, yeah. Yeah, that's not going to do, do well on the dance floor. Seeing costumes like the Follies costumes had just arrived that week and I had seen the Follies at the National Theatre mm. and sort of burst into tears in the opening sequence because it was all so beautiful. And then suddenly the costumes are there and I can touch them. And yeah. you know, for me, that was just in a kind of fangirl way. Yeah. That was just totally magical. And then I think just being able to do things like I remember when <laughs> Imogen at the RA was like, and then I thought we'd do a parade to the secret ballroom. <laughs> just like... Yes! You know. All your dreams coming true at once. <laughs> and the other thing is, and it's funny because I don't think I get to claim this as a, a highlight of my own. I think this is far more about what you are very good at and I'm terrible at, which is talking to members of the public. <laughs> they don't really like me. But Ben is true. very endearing and very good at interviewing people. And so the, what we get when people talk about why they're wearing mm. what they're wearing or how they've put it together, the construction of that image for that one night... I think is so revealing and yeah. so tender. Yes, that's a really good word. Yeah, no, I think that's And I find that really so emotional. Mm. Anyway, so that's my first one. Okay, so the second... The second one... The second highlight. ...is, again, it's about testing the theory. So Ooh. I really like it when we do an episode on something that is super niche within super niche. So, so ridiculous. <laughs> We've done a lot of those. We've done a lot of those. But so ridiculous that it's almost like, how could this possibly work? Yeah. So... The best example of that, I think, is when we did the episode about the symbolism of white in costume. Think white, 
a fleeting thrill, the excitement of partaking in a grand concept spiced by a white cloak of secrecy surrounding the event commencing shortly before dusk and dissolving itself into the night. Imagine an endless white table with people dressed in white in the fading summer light. No one knows where it will take place until it does, and only minutes afterwards a casual passerby will have no hint of the splendour of the occasion past. An elegant and memorable evening awaits you. When are we going? That sounds amazing, doesn't, doesn't it? it? Yeah. It sounds really good. Yeah. But it comes back to your point, though, of having an entirely white wardrobe, because that's what they absolutely stress. And I'm wondering how many people, I'm thinking men, I'm thinking of you, how many <laughs> How many have a white shirt and then try and pass it off with sort of ivory-coloured chinos or something? Right. Wouldn't work. Wouldn't work. And is there someone policing that? And if not, I hope so, I'd like to because, have I mean, that Because they do say it has to be white. So yeah. you can't have... Well, it's got to be white. It's quite simple. <laughs> that's it. There is nothing more There's to say. No it's very straightforward. I mean, the only that's thing... that's why I'm thinking when you mention the cheddars, I would maybe go... We, we like a theme here. Would you would then have food. your food coordinated? Yes. Would you just have a huge slab of brie or something? Yes. I don't know. With a big bowl, because never happier than just eating white bread. There we go. That's white wine, white bread done. A cheap date. Okay. Such a cheap date, trust me. <laughs> McDonald's on the way home, happy as Larry. That was another episode, particularly that one, where I did sort of think, okay. <laughs> Basically, what you're saying is, do we need to talk about the bats episode here? Where Ben's just like, no, we shouldn't do an episode about that, that. That was another one that was also just on my mind, in my mind that, yeah. But then at the end, Ben, this is, I'm waiting for you to say this. At do the end, yes, it? of course, Lucy. Uh, no, to be no, to be fair, I did actually doing the research, you know, and, and looking at some of the images, I did think, do you know what? Actually, there's, there's some legs here. This is or wings. The, the, you know, the, the, this is a good episode, and I did enjoy it. In my head, I'm hearing, and then I thought Lucy is a visionary. Okay, and sorry. Let's followed. let's get this online. <laughs> Lucy Clayton, you were right. Thank you, Ben. Was that clear enough? Shall I yes, say it again? That's why it's my highlight. <laughs> but you know, where we took something so super specific, and then in that conversation, you might think, "Oh, well, how could we possibly talk about white for an entire episode?" We did debutants. We did seventeenth-century mass balls. Donald mm. Trump at the state oh, dinner, yes, yeah. and then also just the other reason that it's my the far less esoteric reason is that I just think we were really funny in that episode. I think that's the funniest we've ever been. Okay, I need to go I back. I think we and were basically we were really a bit overtired, and we were sort of borderline hysterical. Yeah, possibly that does happen occasionally. My final highlight is an episode that I just, on an intellectual level, really enjoyed. Mm. And also I think it's kind of heartland dress fancy in terms of taking an event in the past. So yeah. the Romanov Ball, episode yes. seven yeah. from 1903, and exploring it in a way that has real relevance mm. to things today. So, for example, you have Grand Duke Alexander Mikhailovich. So he is the Tsar's brother-in-law, whom I quoted earlier, dressing as a court falconer. And you might think, actually, if you could dress as anything, why would you go as the falconer? But, and I think this is the key, his tunic is embroidered with a double-headed eagle. So this is the imperial insignia. And get this, he has a pink shirt and yellow leather boots. Snazzy. Oh my goodness, yes. Now, is that one of the pictures that we can see yes. in the new coloured version? I think so, so, yeah. So a Russian artist, Olga Shvinina, has coloured the archive images of the House of Romanov's final ball. And so what's brilliant, we will have this link on our show notes, but what's amazing is that you can 
yeah. slide the slider along. So you see the original in black and white and then move the slider along. And it is as if you are, you know, the, the images are flooded with colour and it's as if they are quite literally coming to life. I yeah. have to say, gave me shivers. I was going to say, it sort of tingles when you see this. It's really it, it's amazing. So we talked about the Devonshire Ball, which yeah. had been six years earlier, but then also Melania Trump in her I Don't Care yeah. Zara jacket. Yeah. And those coloured photographs, the, mm. the newly recolored photographs are just so evocative mm. and so transporting. Mm. And also then I also like the kind of smugness of, you know, that was way before the Netflix yes. Romanov show came out. So I feel like there's an element of us being interested mm. in that and then it being revived in culture mm. more broadly, which I like. Yeah, now is the time to say these things. But because I, I remember at the, at the end of recording the episode, we were both a little bit apprehensive about it because I think you're right. Intellectually, it works because we made those connections. But I think we were also wary in the sense that we've made quite a lot of connections. Does it hold together? But it does. And I think, I mean, for us, in terms of the podcast journey that we've been on, <laughs> that in some ways is a bit of a turning point, maybe, in terms of totally. us being able to connect ideas and, and having the the confidence and freedom to do that. We're having these conversations. It's just you and I here. But obviously, we're having these conversations with so many more people in the room, in, yeah. in a sense, and, and making sure that does translate beyond what two fanatics think. Right. Well, I think two things translate and resonate yes, with an audience. Exactly. But the other thing that I think is true of that, I think sometimes we know our process is a lot more refined than at the beginning. Yeah. But I think what's nice is that we now know whether we've hit the nail on the head yeah, and got I think it in so. the bag. Yeah. But actually, a lot of the episodes where we haven't felt that or we felt that it, we were maybe overreaching mm. or perhaps structurally it made less sense or it was less obvious yeah. have actually been some of our favourite episodes. Mm. And that's because I think they require more muscular thinking. And so, I, again, I enjoy that yeah, and I, no, exactly. I hope our yeah. listeners do too. But for me, I suppose the best example of that is the cultural appropriation episode yeah where I found more than any other subject, it required us to really put the rigor in, in terms yeah. of the thinking and in terms of the research, because who are we to talk about exactly. cultural appropriation when indeed our own culture is the one doing the appropriating nearly all of the time. Mm. And so again, for me, that felt out of our comfort zone. I, I felt like a duty of care yes. about that subject to be able to do that. And off but then I think what is nice is that within this format, we also get to just talk about what celebrities wore at Halloween <laughs> in a kind of yeah. sidebar of shame yes, level yeah. of unintellectual. Yeah, and be completely judgmental. And I think we both love doing that. Kim Kardashian. <laughs> um, she had to come in, didn't she? She has got a lot of stick over this. The thing is, I don't think she'll ever know Ben. So I think it's fine. <laughs> She's busy. As the subpoena arrives tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it hasn't all been highlights though. I think we should do some yeah. of our low moments. Well, we've, we've kind of covered the bats and I think, you know, um, bringing it up just again, I, I feel I need to. I think you're right. I mean, I think one of the low points for us both, I mean, bats was just more my kind of quite negative experience to begin with, to begin with. I think, as I said, we, we, we did improve on that. But I think the Jean-Paul Gaultier fashion freak show, that yes, was... Yes, that was disappointing. And also we were so tired. That was yeah. the week that we'd both that finished was it, our wasn't books. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a Friday night. Yeah. And it I was, was late. promised lots of flesh and it sort of didn't deliver. Like... <laughs> you were gutted. <laughs> I was the wrong audience. Yes. And it was just, I just, we were, oh, and then we got, nearly got kicked out. Oh, that we was the space. We had to hide yeah. to record it. I mean, our listeners, I think we confess up to it now. But we're pretty much sort of hidden in a cupboard away from a security guard in the Royal Festival Hall. So it wasn't our finest hour, no. I think. 
No. I agree. That was my least favourite episode. We shouldn't say that. <laughs> it's also a great episode. You should all listen to it. We record this at my gaff and I always try to lure Ben in with a treat <laughs> and <laughs> just to keep his blood sugar levels up. Yes. And um, I had some particularly nice cakes. You, yes. Yeah, I do and I accidentally set fire to the box before you arrived and the whole, the whole it, place yeah, was on fire. It was yeah. awful. So I arrived in slightly more chaos than normal. <laughs> That wasn't good. That could have but been the But the show carried on because of the professionals that we, that we are. I suppose another thing, and I mention this reluctantly because it's an ongoing thing, listener. What? It's the bullying. Oh, for God's <laughs> sake. I've got to say, I am still, still, pointy finger, <laughs> without a rhinestone mortarboard. Oh, look, I mean... I do, so you're no, speechless, I, I do owe it to you and I haven't forgotten. But, you know, Ben, I am busy <laughs> with other things. But you will get it. You will. But then you have to wear it all the time. I'm going to explain. I think proof. I've quite clearly explained to the listener that that's going to happen. Okay, fine. I promise that before Christmas you'll have it. Or it's before Okay. Woo. I mean, it can be your Christmas present. Okay. You can model it. You'll... Yeah. Okay, fine. That's, I'll, I'll order the necessary rhinestones. <laughs> do you envisage them being silver sparkles or black I mean black is chica but it will have less impact I'm just saying place your order both? no oh. <laughs> one or the other both as in you want two or you want me to do like a checkerboard effect well, like, so like, no, I'm, I'm thinking like a, a sort of I could do your some... initials in it oh, oh options now um, <laughs> I was going to go silver okay okay I think that's classic yeah we can do this off air um <laughs> Well, I feel as though it needs to be recorded. Uh, um, ben, I think bullying is too too big a word. <laughs> yeah, possibly. It's laden. But should we listen to some of our highlights? Of as evidence, yeah. <laughs> All right. Here's a here's a montage of bullying. <laughs> I want to be asked to something from Tolstoy yeah. or a proper book. Oh, I could do Tolstoy. But Ooh, couldn't I just? <laughs> okay, it's coming up then. But I will accept, you know, David Walliams' characters. Okay. That's fine. Okay. I did once veto my child wanted to go as Percy Jackson. Oh, but that's a book. No, yes, it oh, is a book, Ben. Well, but it's also jeans and a t-shirt, which isn't a costume. Okay. You see, there's all these rules in yeah. my head. See, I'm, I'm worried now, listener, actually, that this is an episode where I'm going to get myself into lots and lots of trouble. Well, you already have kind of irritated <laughs> me twice in that small introduction. <laughs> anyway, let's move swiftly on and let's just say there's an awful lot of... I think probably what we need to do in response to this is to do an episode on an event that was so completely enjoyable mm. so outrageously debauched <laughs> up for that where we yeah. know that people had the time of their lives but i actually think that you're more likely to get that if you are thinking of something that is not of the social elite that you're mm. actually where you don't have those sorts of pressures where it is more of a sort of private genuinely more communal i mean it's nice of you to mention my various parties there ben <laughs> which you were clearly doing in a in a slightly just you know I know you want to spare my embarrassment but it's obviously Lucy obviously always it's going to be so awkward off air I am toying currently with the idea of should I have another big halloween party this year Ooh. it is the subject of much, much debate. debate yeah clearly I'm not going to be invited well yes I'm just saying play your cards right like, otherwise I'll Truman Capote you and be like off the list. Oh, oh. 
again, how what Elton is wearing is obviously Elton first name terms. <laughs> Such friends. Sir Elton, please. I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel as though I'm, I'm sort of championing the wrestling. I here, don't know but... why you are. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, ben with his <laughs> massive collection of dressing gowns that we didn't know about until now. Well, you've got wedding dresses. I need something. That's true. Oh, no, you <laughs> don't want not, it to no, be no, that. No, That's no, not no. comparison. No. I think the, one of the things in the film... So, he's now doing a farewell tour, which mm-hmm. if you're this big a star takes you three years. Do you know, it would take me honestly 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. That's my whole back catalogue. <laughs> Actually, I- in light of what I was in, subjected yeah, to. don't um, encourage 15 me, Ben. Minutes is, it would be long. 15 minutes would seem like an eternity. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a shame because I feel like I've got all the charisma of a singer. It's just the actual singing. Ben, <laughs> don't pull that face. Okay, let's, let's get back to what we're supposed to be talking about. Rendered so, speechless. <laughs> he's on a three-year farewell. There we go. I've made my case. <laughs> Would you like me to try this season to be nicer to you? I could say yes, but frankly, it'll just be how we are each week. It's, true. it's just. I think it has a certain. I charm. think the die's <laughs> been set or cast, or whatever. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Okay, I'll I know my to place. be myself, <laughs> my vicious self. <laughs> but that does lead us on to actually. Let's not end on a low note, <laughs> because one of my favourite things has been the reviews and the feedback that we've had mm. from our listeners. And it's fair to say that across the year, we've had nothing but nice things said about it. Yeah, you've actually all been really, really generous. Really I mean, it really generous. genuinely is surprising and humbling. <laughs> and because we're humble, we're now going to read some of our favourites <laughs> out loud. <laughs> so, the, the, yeah, this is one that, that, that struck me. Pure joy. This podcast could not be more expertly researched, charismatically presented, or full of joy in the subject. Completely addictive listening. <laughs> My favourite, head-to-toe entertainment. Lucy and Benjamin are fantastic at balancing really insightful and well-researched content with a very entertaining delivery. She doesn't mention the bullying, but I think that's what she means. <laughs> I've learned so much about a topic I never knew could be so historically and culturally relevant. Or another view, brilliantly thought-provoking and just the kind of super niche podcast I so enjoy. Already looking forward to new episodes. I might even wear a ball gown whilst tuning in. <laughs> That's the spirit. We, we want that. All of everyone in ball gowns. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Send us pictures of yes. you listening in costume. I'd love that. I would like that too. But honestly, more than that, we would really <laughs> love you if you've enjoyed this to review us on Apple Podcasts. Even if you've only got 15 seconds, you can just write a very quick sentence telling people that you've enjoyed listening. We are grateful, but most importantly, it is the best way for new listeners to find us. And without wishing to go into the details of algorithms, we basically need some more reviews. (laughs) Could you you stump up? Thank you. But I think here's here's the thing. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, there's a good likelihood that somebody you will know might like it too. That's true. So if you, when you're having your tea or dinner or I coffees, you cornflakes, weirdly. <laughs> Sorry. No, you. Side bet. First thing in the morning. <laughs> it's like there's an urgency to this. <laughs> anyway, uh, just yeah, someone you know, I, I think recommend it. Recommend it. <laughs>
that would be really great. Thank you. Spread the joy. Yeah. Side note, my favourite piece of feedback from the TED Talk comments, which I originally wasn't going to look at because I take things very personally. (laughs) (laughs) But then I wanted to see if someone had mentioned my great outfit. And they had, so that was good. But (laughs) my favourite piece was actually the only negative piece of feedback, which said, this talk has a liberal stench about it. (laughs) And I just thought, I'm so happy about having a liberal stench. Liberal stench. I just love that. I do love that. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. They're a genius. (laughs) Me and my liberal stench. (laughs) Anyway, we are, rest assured, working away on season six now. And as promised, we have some news. We do indeed. Very exciting. For the first time, Dress Fancy Podcast will be brought to you in partnership with a brand that we both really love Mm -hmm. Penhaligons. Established in London in 1870, this iconic fragrance house has a long and glorious history and continues to innovate and delight in everything it does. And that's why we are thrilled to be working together. And the way it's going to work is that each new episode will feature our profile of an individual fragrance that's relevant to the theme we're discussing. So there's no clunky advertising messages with Ben and I using a weird, (laughs) different tone of voice. We do that naturally. (laughs) This is, we've got one voice. And instead, for you, our beloved listeners, it's an extra bonus because we will be giving away fragrance treats and experiences across the series. So each show contains the chance to win a little bit of luxury that evokes the spirit of everything we adore at Dress Fancy. And Ben, the Penhaligon stories, the tales that they have to tell behind those fragrances, it's a treasure trove, isn't it? It really is. I mean, I think each of their fragrances have these curiously historic, personal tales attached to them. And I think, obviously, when you know we've both visited, just a joy to be able to share and I think connect with a project that as we've obviously spent the last few minutes discussing means so much to us. We can't wait to share that collaboration with you. Thank you to everyone who's made this project possible across the year, to Mark, our editor, to Steve, my boyfriend, who does our technical (laughs) stuff so we don't have to, and also provides snacks. (laughs) We don't ever thank him, so I'd just like a special shout out. Big thanks. Big thanks to him, mostly for the snacks. (laughs) Thank you, our listeners, for joining us on this anniversary review. We are so looking forward to all our future themes. Season six will see us going behind the scenes at the ballet, swimming with mermaids, dancing with pearly kings and queens and much much more as always you can see the images that accompany these conversations along with other things that inspire us on our instagram feed at dress fancy podcast we return on the 31st of october halloween itself for a season full of surprise and wonder join us then for more costume drama <laughs>